Shalom, and welcome to the land of Israel Network, and Shalom, and welcome to my home. Uh, Rabbi Mike Foyer was unable to join me today, and therefore I am broadcasting uh, on my own this part, and the next part hopefully with uh, Malka Fleischer, but really it's not so bad at all. I'm I'm really excited about uh, being with you here for uh, the show, because I love this Torah portion. It has so many interesting stories, and that's what we're going to start with. Uh, Actually, just for a second, let me tell you that that it was my birthday, uh, uh, my, my Hebrew birthday earlier this week. We had a really fun party. It was actually a uh, stand-up comedy party. Yeah, I got up and did some stand-up just for my friends. It was like a little bit of a closed, uh, inv- by invitation only, RSVP type thing. Uh, VIP RSVT by invitation only. Uh, and uh, did some stand-up, and it was fun. This was my, my uh, I, uh, I came out as doing my, my little uh, kind of uh, hidden, hidden interest or hidden hobby in doing a little bit of stand-up. So that was, it was really, really, really fun. Um, and maybe, maybe one day soon I'll do a more public stand-up and maybe you guys could join me wherever you are and let me know if you do stand-up. Write me an email, isha at thelandofisrael.com. Uh, also, this week, just, just last night, I uh, took part in the 243rd uh, U.S. Uh, July 4th birthday celebration, but this time for the first time ever in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim. David Friedman was there and he said, hey, I made a promise last year to uh, to the prime minister that I would move the party to Yerushalayim, and here it is. There, It was uh, full-on equipped with um, fireworks and lots of goodies. There was tremendous amount of food and then a gift bag filled with all kinds of, uh, you know, um, Candy and gum and toothpaste and American stuff. And the best one was SodaStream gave out these free U.S. Israel SodaStream bottles. It was really neat. So that was really fun. It's been, it's been a fun week. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, I had a visit yesterday in Hebron because uh, remember, I work in Hebron and uh, urge you to come and visit us. Check, it, check out our tours at hebronfund.org. Uh, but um, um, yesterday I had two great visitors in Hebron, and that is uh, Mark Levin, the famous, the, the quote-unquote great one, uh, the, the great radio show host, Mark Levin. And even uh, yesterday at the uh, U.S. Embassy celebration, Netanyahu got up there and he said, you know, you've got life, liberty, and Levine. And that's the uh, title of something, uh, I think, of one of his books. Uh, and so that was really fun. Excuse me, correction, Life, Liberty, and Levine is the uh, radio show hosts, uh, Mark Levin's uh, radio show, and that's the name of his show, and, uh, and he was there on hand at the, uh, both the embassy celebration, but also he came himself to Chevron and hung out with me for a few good hours, but he didn't come alone. He brought with him uh, Colonel Richard Kemp to hang out with us uh, and to get really clarity on what the story of Chevron is and the Jewish people's rights and history and connection to the place and the efforts to uh, unwrite, de-write, uh, erase, rewrite uh, Jewish history by trying to portray that it's not a Jewish place and that we're somehow occupiers, because that's the magic word, occupation, occupation. So, so that was uh, a really great event in Chevron. And then afterwards had yet another event in Chevron where folks uh, came and we had a wine tasting, which I set up, uh, in Chevron with the Chevron in the Chevron uh, wineries, uh, 
some of the wines there, and people were just just blown away. They just ran into the store that we have in the museum and just bought out all the wines that were there. So that was a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, this is one of my favorite Torah portions. Uh, it's called Chukat, and it's um, in the book of Numbers, in the book of Bamidbar, and chapter is 19. And the term Chukat means uh, kind of immutable laws, laws that are chiseled in, right? It comes from the word Chakika, which is, like, which is law that is chiseled in. And basically laws that are inscrutable in the sense that uh, th- they are laws that don't necessarily make rational sense to us necessarily. I mean, it's not that they don't, they're not rational, it's that they don't necessarily comport with our very limited understanding of rationality. Uh, and they're chiseled in kind of, that's the way it is. They're hardwired, if you, if you will, to use a more modern type of uh, discourse. So, uh, Chukat has in it, this Torah portion, has in it some wild stuff. And these wild things are, on the face of it, a little bit inscrutable, not not exactly understandable. And that's actually what makes this Torah portion really fun. And it's as, almost as though they bundled in, Hashem bundled in, God bundled in, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the whole Torah portion filled with unusual, strange, tough things to understand into one Torah portion called Chukat, in other words, the Torah portion of strange and unusual things that you may not understand on the face of it. But it's really, really fun stuff. Uh, and it starts off with uh, the ultimate of the laws that are called chukim. When you think of chukim, uh, kind of inscrutable laws, uh, the first one that comes to mind is the red heifer, right? And the red heifer is, is a way that you, that you get rid of ritual impurity of death. Now here I just want to pause and say that I haven't fully developed this this thought. I'd like to write it out, but um, I really think that much of Judaism, much of the Torah, is really the purpose of a lot of it is to get rid of the energy of death and to help the Jewish people be an eternal nation. Now, you can be a total detractor of the Jewish people. You could be a Hitler, or you could be... Uh, you know, some of the movements today in America, and you could say occupation, say whatever you want. But one thing you won't be able to deny, the Jewish people are uh, an eternal people. They've been, uh, there's been many an effort to try to destroy us. We have survived. We're an ancient people that have survived the, the most improbable of all survivals, which is exile from your land and then return and rebirth. And that's the promised stuff. That is the uniqueness of the Jewish people is that they're an eternal people. So to stay a, an eternal nation, you got to follow a regiment because uh, this regiment of holiness, of eternity, will keep you from, from being a regular nation that just kind of dissipates because they're, the regular nations, they actually follow the regular laws of nature. But if you follow these other laws, it's as though these other laws are, the laws of nature are suspended from you. So it says, speak to the children of Israel and they shall take for you a perfect red cow in which there is not a blemish, and upon which there is a yoke, a yoke has not come. You shall give it to Eleazar the Kohen. He shall take it out to the outside of the camp, and someone shall slaughter it in, the, in his presence. Eleazar the Kohen shall uh, take some of its blood with his forefinger, sprinkle some of its blood towards the front of the tent of meeting seven times, and then somebody shall burn the cow before his eyes, its hide, its flesh, its blood, with its dung. He shall burn. The Kohen shall take cedar wood, hyssop, Crimson thread, he shall throw them into the burning of the cow. 
Anyway, what happens at the end of this is that is that there's um, a solution um, made up of uh, made up of the ashes of this uh, cow, and it is sprinkled upon people, and then that that gets rid of the energy of death when you come in contact with the dead. Now think about that. If you have a way to get rid of the energy of death that is like on your body, and you can you can somehow like get life energy. Uh, instead of death energy on yourself and fix your aura, if you will, fix your fix the energy that is stuck onto you. You're going to have a completely different kind of day, am I right? You're going to have a completely different energy that's going to surround you. And think about that in terms of a nation. If a nation knows how to purify itself from the energy of death uh, and and can find a way to to uh, eject itself from that those laws of nature. And to hold on to eternal life, which is what God is. So God is letting you know how to do it. All right? So um, whoever touches the corpse of any human shall be impure for seven days. And he, pur- he, shall pur- he shall purify himself with it, with the solution on the third day and on the seventh day. He will be pure. All right? So there you go. That's an amazing thing. And that's really all about... Um, uh, how the Jewish people can continue to survive. Yet there are many homilies here that are very interesting. For example, it says, Zot Torat Adam Kiamut Bo'ohel. This is the teaching regarding a man who would die in his tent. Uh, so the homily is, this is the Torah. This is how you learn Torah. A person will gain Torah if he dies in the tent meaning to say he puts his whole life into the tent, which is a metaphor for the study of Torah. So yeah, on the one hand, we're learning about the laws, about how to get rid of the energy of death. On the other hand, there's a secret passage in here which says like a homily, which is very famous, which is if you really want to cleave to eternal life, you have to cleave to Torah with all of your, with all of your life force. So um, th- that's something that Bezrat Hashem, we could all get behind a little bit, which is, which is regular study of Torah, uh, is also part of giving our nation eternal life and giving us personally a connection with, with life uh, and that will change our lives completely. And I really recommend that, uh, I hope that this show is part of your Torah regiment uh, and that you really are connected to daily and regular Torah study. Uh, so so the, the, the story goes on in this Torah portion. It, it starts with this, uh, with this red heifer, but then it goes right into... Uh, the story of Miriam passing away. And it's a little bit shocking because till now, you know, there's been this triumvirate of Aaron, Miriam, and of course Moshe Rabbeinu. And in this week's Torah portion, we're basically going to see the death of two of them and hear of the death of, of, of uh, including the death of, of Moshe Rabbeinu, both of Aaron and Moshe. But we're going to see that Moshe will not go into the land. So therefore, this is also the Torah portion of something that in some way is inscrutable, which is, how can great leaders suddenly leave, and how can we be expected to kind of start start again? But indeed, it says that Miriam died in in the in the uh, in the desert of Tzin in the first month, and this is now we're talking about the fortieth year of the desert. We're in. We're really we're talking about the thirty ninth year, going into the fortieth year. We're talking about really about to enter the land of Israel, and she dies there, and she gets buried there. And suddenly, the next verse, with, that, with no break, says there was no water for the people. And they gather onto Moses, and they said, uh, uh, they, they gather onto Moses and onto Aaron, and they make a fight with Moses, saying, we're going to die 
we should have died with the uh, generation of the desert that died. It would have been better because now we're just going to die of thirst. Why did you bring us to this desert, we, the congregation of God, to, to die? We and our life and our and our and uh, our property. Why why did we come out here to die? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to bring us to this bad place? This is not a place that has any any livelihood. So uh, again, Moses and Aaron fall on their faces in front of the tent of meeting of God, but God says to them, "Well, this is a kind of redo we've had before. We had in the book of Shemot the same kind of thirsting and the same kind of complaining." And God says, take the, uh, the staff and bring the whole congregation together, you and Aaron, and speak to the stone in front of their eyes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, ha- to have water come out of that stone. And you're going to water them and, and all their uh, cattle. So Moses takes this uh, staff, he gathers everybody, and he says, listen up, rebels, Shimuna Hamorim, listen up, rebels, and another way of really seeing that, I always think, is like shimuna chamorim. Like there's, it says a hey, but it sounds very much like a chet. Like, listen up, stubborn ones. Still listen up, donkeys. Should we, should we take out water for you, for you from this rock? And there's something a little bit off in that verse. Uh, it's a little bit, just the t- smallest touch of haughtiness. Smallest, smallest touch. Should we uh, take for you, bring water out for you? And uh, Moses lifted up his hand and he hit the rock with his staff. And then it says that he hit it twice. Not just once, twice. Why is that important? Because I can imagine that he hit it once and that's what the measure says. He hit it once and a few drops came out. And he had to hit, hit, hit it again. But God told him, take the staff don't hit it. Talk to the rock. And then God says, and then the, the second hit, the lot of water came out and everybody had water and everybody drank. But then God says to Moses immediately, you didn't believe in me to sanctify my name in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you're not going to bring this congregation to the land which I gave them. These, it says, then the narration says, they are the waters of strife where the children of Israel contended with Hashem and he was sanctified through them. So what? So Moses hit the rock and that's why he's not going to come into the land of Israel and lead the people in? How could that be? But I think that the answer is there. Uh, This is mysterious for a lot of people, but I think maybe that it's not so, so mysterious because I think the answer is there. And the answer is, is that God said to him, take a stick with you. Show them that you got a stick. But this is a new generation. And you got to try to talk to the stone, which means talk to them, right? Which means really talk to them and show them that there, that there is a belief in God, that it can be done. But Moses, his spirit a tad embittered uh, from the many years of dealing with the Jewish people in the desert. And you would also be embittered if you had to be the political leader of the Jewish people in the desert. Uh, and what he doesn't recognize, Moshe Rabbeinu, or he doesn't exactly uh, engage, is the realization that this is a new generation. Yes, they are stubborn. Yes, they say the same things our forefathers did, but this is a new generation. So don't treat them like the old generation. And you are taking your baggage 
from the last generation to this one. And that's what God says. Listen, you can't lead this new generation because you're also, one way or another, part of the old generation. And therefore, you won't be able to lead them. And this was kind of proof. The proof is you're, you yourself are carrying the anger and the, and the baggage of the last generation. And therefore, you're really part of it. And it's got to be a new generation that's going to go into the land. I think, that, I think it actually says that. And, and with regard to taking the stick, take a staff. Show them that, that there's strength there. But also uh, pacify them. Talk with them uh, with, in words. And, oh, but you went to the other thing. It's as though you, 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 went to the, you kind of went to the, to the stick and not to the carrot. Sure. That's because you are relating to them as the previous generation. But don't make that mistake. They're a new generation. Even though they might sound the same, they do have a totally different opportunity there. And we're going to see that they, in this, in this Parsha, that they're acting a little bit differently than they did before. In fact, right, right afterwards, right after this uh, episode, um, the Moses sends a message to the king of Edom, and he says, this is your brother Israel speaking. And so for the first time, like Israel is called not the children of Israel, but Israel, the political tribal configuration. Israel speaks. Uh, and, um, and, and basically what Moses asks is for passage through the land of Edom, not taking any of the water without payment, not going through any fields, but Edom refuses and, and brings out uh, soldiers to block the Jewish people. And the Jewish people don't fight them we learn later on because, because God promised this land to, to the children of Esau, to Edom, and therefore the Jews had no right to fight with Edom. They had a right to pass through their land, but they refused. And that's kind of hurtful. You're, and it says, I'm your brother Israel. Please let me pass through your land. And Edom said, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to play ball with you. Like, go around me. We're not going to be, uh, you, you're not going to come inside of me. Maybe... Maybe there's a blessing there, right? Sometimes some distance is better, uh, especially with Esav. Uh, sometimes, as we learned from Jacob, better to keep your distance from him. Uh, so, so Edom blocks the Jewish people's passage. And, uh, well, there, there's, there's a sad kind of verse. So Edom refused to permit Israel to pass through its border, and, Edom tur- and Israel turned away from near him. They just turned around and went the other way. And this is, by the way, we're talking about moving millions of people. So they journeyed from Kadesh, and they arrived at Mount Hor, like Hor Hahar. That's what it's called in Hebrew, and in, in, uh, in the uh, English, it's called Mount Hor. And guess what happens there? Another blow to the Jewish people, and this time, it's Aaron. And Aaron, well, he's also the, the head priest. He's the, he's the high priest. And so in order to kind of let him die... Uh, he has to climb up on the mountain with Moses and with Eleazar and switch clothes with Eleazar. He's got to put his his high priest clothes onto Eleazar. And when the Jewish people come, when excuse me, when Moses comes down with Eleazar and there's no Aaron and Eleazar is dressed in the priest's clothes, can, can you see the drama in that? The three of them go up. Aaron is commanded to take off his clothes, his special priestly clothes, put it on his son, and then kind of lie down and get the kiss of death and then, instead of Aaron, Moses, and, and, Eli, and Ela, Eleazar coming down, it's just Eleazar and Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Jewish people look and they see that, that Aaron is gone, that he has passed away. And they just, um, it's, here's the verse. 
The entire assembly saw that Aaron had perished. They wept for Aaron 30 days, the entire house of Israel. Beit Israel, that, that's a term that means to include the women and the men. Everybody had uh, a role. Let me say it a different way. Aaron had a role in everybody's life. He made peace between business partners, between husbands and wives, between God and the Jewish people. He was the peacemaker. He brought love and peace uh, to the camp. Uh, as I've spoken before about, about, about Moses being really the paradigm of truth in a, in a, in a uh, judgment connection to God, and a truth connection to God, Aaron is the diplomat, Aaron's the peacemaker. And so uh, when he passes away, the Jewish people mourn him for 30 days. So we just, in one fell swoop, we had Miriam pass away, the Jewish people rejected by their brother Edom, and then, uh, and then the, the passing of Aaron, very, very strong moment for the Jewish people to very tumultuous moment, very unsure moment. Now, here's a, here's a fabulous section that comes right after that. The Canaanite king of Arad, who dwelled in the south, heard that Israel had come by the root of the spies, and he warred against Israel and took a captive from it. Israel, Israel made a vow, not the children of Israel, but the Israel, the people of Israel, made a vow to Hashem and said, If you will deliver this people into my hand, I will consecrate their cities. Hashem heard the voice of Israel, and he delivered the Canaanite, and, he, and it consecrated them and their cities. It named the place Chorma. Meaning to say that we learn here about something which I think has been very much lost in, in Israeli consciousness right now, which is when they hurt one of your people and they take them captive, you go nuts. You go nuts. That's the rules of the Middle East. You go nuts. You don't uh, do a symmetrical attack, and you don't uh, figure out if it's, uh, if it's even killed. You, you go nuts, and you destroy their cities, and you say you don't touch a hair on our kids' heads. And that's really the, the proper, proper way of, of behaving. Or as the British say, proper. Okay? That's the proper way of behaving in, in the Middle East, and that's what the Jewish people did. Um... Now, the, the nation has to go around the long way from Edom, and they start talking smack talk against God and Moses. Rashi says, uh, uh, when they equated, it says, when, when they equated God and Moses, that was a big problem. And they said, why did you take us out of Egypt to die in this desert? We don't have any bread, we don't have any water, and we're tired of this strange bread, which is the, the mana bread. And at this point, God sends the, the serpents that start to bite at Israel. And I heard an explanation from Rabbi Shalom, which is he didn't send the serpents. He basically just removed the cloud cover that blocked these serpents in the desert. Suddenly people are getting the kind of things that you would get if you didn't have protection from God. And that's what happens when you're, when you're out there undefended in the desert 24-7, walking around, there's going to be plagues and, 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 and heat and, and, and snakes, and they're getting, they're getting bitten. And the nation comes, and here's, a, here's the proof that this is a new generation. The nation comes to Moses and they say, we have sinned because we spoke about God and about you. We repent. You're right. We're sorry. Uh, please pray to God. That's an interesting thing. That means, hey, hey righteous person, please beseech for us. Because you're, you're a righteous representative, which is also a big teaching here, which is that the Jewish people are also, uh, we're all very, you know, knowledgeable and opinionated, but 
Yes, there is sometimes an emissary of God, and we have to appeal through him, through the righteous person of the generation. And that's what they say. They say, please pray for us, for we have sinned. So God tells him, this is surprising, put a snake, make a copper snake, and put it on a pole. And when people look at the copper snake, they'll live. Notice, by the way, v'chai, they'll live, right? Because this is a Torah portion about life. We're already seeing the death of, of Miriam. Uh, we saw the death of Aaron, but we saw the continuation of Aaron. Let's think about this. We saw the death of Miriam, and then there was no water. Famously, it's because Miriam was the source of the kind of eternal well that, that, that tracked the Jewish people that was with them everywhere they went. But uh, Moses did find a way to get them new water. A- Aaron died. There was no peace in the camp. Uh, but, but he's got a successor, and that's Elazar. Uh, and... Moses, we haven't heard about his successor, but we know it's going to be Joshua. Uh, the Jewish people need life, and they're being bitten by these snakes. God says, put a copper snake up as a pole, on a pole, and let them look at it. When they look at it, they live. What does that mean? So the Mishnah says famously that like, they look up to heaven, and they'll realize that it was his fa- their father in heaven. And I have an even a simpler explanation, which is when they saw the copper snake, what they saw was, this is not just happenstance. You see this thing that's happening to you? It's because of something. And here's the reason. The reason is Lashon Hara, you bad speech. The reason is that it's not just random, these snakes that are biting you. It's because you have been distanced. And when you look up and you see yourself looking up, you're going to be connected to uh, the realization that it's from God, that it's your sins who have caused you to get these things. And they're not just happenstance. Uh, so that was the, the, the unusual and a bit inscrutable story of the copper snake. By the way, the copper snake is later on going to be a, uh, become an idolatry for the Jewish people to the point that King Hezekiah is going to have to kind of melt it down. Um, and here we get to, um, there's these fabulously hard-to-understand poems that, that are in... Uh, uh, in this Torah portion, they themselves are, are almost inscrutable, very hard to understand. Um, but then the last, the end of the Torah portion is the battle between, between, between Israel and Sichon and Og. There are two kingdoms. Basically, think of the Dead Sea, think of the other side of the Dead Sea, uh, first kind of the northern Dead Sea, and then go up even more and go to the Golan Heights. That's the two areas that, that Moses is going to lead battle. And he's going to destroy Sichon and Og. So uh, Sichon did not permit Israel to pass through his border, but Sichon assembled his entire people and went out against Israel to the wilderness. He arrived at Jachaz, right? Yachza, and waged war against Israel. But Israel smote him with the edge of the sword and took possession of his land from Arnon to Yabok. These are rivers that are extant today to the children of Ammon. The children of Ammon is, is Amman. Uh, so, so it was, it was conquered until that place and, uh, the children of Israel settled there and, and one of the cities that they settled in, in, in all the Amorite cities, including Cheshbon. Cheshbon also means in modern Hebrew, the word Cheshbon, which is the city that they conquered there from the children uh, of, um, uh, from the, uh, the Amorites, Sichon and the Amorites. So that city is called Cheshbon. Now Cheshbon in modern Hebrew, means calculation. 
So famously, Rabbi Cook once said to somebody who, who said to him, I want to make Aliyah, but I'm not sure it's the right time, and I'm not sure I have exactly the right money. Will I find exactly Parnassah? So he says, before you enter the land of Israel, you have to kill Melech Cheshbon. You have to king the king of calculations, of being too calculated about figuring out how exactly it'll work in the land of Israel. Uh, yes, it's important to have a plan and to make a form, you know, to, 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 to think about how you're going to make it and to have livelihood, all that. But don't be over, over, over planning because there's a God in this world and he wants to provide for you in the land of Israel. So before you enter the land of Israel, you have to kill Melech Hashbon. You have to king the, kill the king of, of calculations. Uh, but then after, the, uh, after beating Sichon, the tougher one was uh, going to Og. And the reason that it was a little bit tougher was because Og uh, was somebody who lived from ancient times, and the Midrash says that he, Og, actually was not on the Ark, but was tailing the Ark. He was holding on to the back of Noah's Ark. And he was being fed through a little hole in the Ark. Sometimes we carry a big giant on our backs, and we feed it. That giant is sometimes the Yetzirah, their evil inclination. And we're the ark trying to make it through this world, yet we're still feeding this giant, uh, this giant, giant of uh, the evil inclination. And we're kind of feeding it a little as it's floating along behind us. Uh, and also, uh, Rashi says that Og uh, was the one who came to Abraham and told him that his nephew had been kidnapped, had been, had been taken hostage. So Moshe Rabbeinu was a little bit afraid that Og had merits. See, when you're having battles of huge, powerful people, it's also about their merits. Moses has his merits, but maybe Og has got some merits. And God says to Moshe, don't fear him. And remember, we're talking about a giant. Uh, For in your hand, specifically in your hand, have I given him to you and all his nation and all his land. And you should do to him as you did to Sichon, the king of the Amorites, which sits in Cheshbon. And they indeed defeat him. And the Midrash goes out of its way to say that it was Moses who fought mano y mano, uh, fought uh, in, in, in uh, the great thriller in Manila, which was Moses v. Og. Maybe I'll call the show Moses v. Og, okay? Uh, the thriller in the desert and uh, the thriller in the, in the Golanilla. And that's what happened there. Uh, Moses defeated him. He jumped up and he smashed him at the, at the bottom of his foot after jumping up uh, many, many, uh, many yards, he only hit him with, and he himself was very tall, he only hit him at, at the ankle level. That's what the Midrash says. But it's really there to tell you that he was a giant, there was something to be afraid of, or giant merits. But Moses defeats him. And the, and the reason I, I think this is also very important is because Moses is a man who is a great lawgiver, but he's also Israel's first general. And he goes out there, and battles these enemies of the Jewish people. And you'll see throughout the rest of the book of uh, uh, the next book, which is the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim, that Moses is very proud of his defeat, his personal victory over Sichon and Og. And, and he takes a lot of heart in that. And that reminds me of King David who said, like, look, I slew the bear, I slew the lion. I was able to defeat these things. And so, to, so shall you be able to defeat these things. Don't be afraid. God is with us. And the, and the rest of the times, it's going to say, just like you defeated Sichon and Og. Remember those, remember those battles? Same way you're going to win these battles. 
that's something for us, like when we get down a little bit and we have these moments where we fall down, remember your great victories in life. And not just your great victories, but when God was with you, when you knew that God was with you and you were able to win, God is going to be with you again. And that's why it's important to have memory of God's, of God's blessings, of God's gifts, uh, of the great miracles, the, the innumerable miracles that God makes for us every single day. But take out in every single day a moment where you say, I see you, God, and I thank you, God, because I know you've, you've given me these miracles. This is my Sichon and Og. All right, folks, that's the uh, amazing Torah portion of Chukat. Uh, which I think has has just so many awesome, uh, awesome tales and awesome tales of of giving us um, validation for sometimes our fears, but also giving us inspiration for strength and helping us understand that yes, a, a generation can transition and that we have to kind of go with the times and realize that there's new opportunities. I think there's new opportunities right now in the land of Israel that are happening, and we have to stop carrying around old loads. Maybe that's a big part of the lesson here. Don't carry around old loads. Don't carry around Og. When it's time to get rid of Og, just cut them loose. And don't carry your own personal Og. And uh, yeah, loosen up. Let the, let the giant float away and go on your merry way toward, towards, toward, towards uh, God's uh, wind at your back, which takes you to the destinations that he, has, uh, that he has set out for you. Don't let the giant slow you down. We'll be back with Malka Fleischer on the Ishai Fleischer Show here in the land of Israel.com, broadcasting from Judea with a lot of love for you wherever you are, broadcasting God's amazing message from the land of Israel. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is where Jerusalem was happening 2,000 years ago in all its glory. Josh Haston here. Check out my show this week as I speak to Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation. The City of David just opened what is known as the Pilgrimage Road. Unbelievable. Some of the most seminal events and figures going back 2,000 years for Jews and Christians alike would have happened along this road. I like to refer to it as the biblical superhighway. Hear it here exclusively on my show, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. All right, folks, we're back here on the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting from Judea on the land of Israel. And lots of blessings to you wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to our home. And you're also welcome to welcome Malka Fleischer. Malka, shalom and welcome. Welcome to you for welcoming me to the welcoming on the show. Okay, Malka, I am now welcome to be 43. Yes, Baruch Hashem. We're all very happy for you and big mazal tov. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate yes. it. You made it. You made it really Happy fun. Happy birthday! And you also made me a celebratory steak. Yes, I made a giant steak. It was absurd. You went down to uh, the Rami Levy. I went to the Rami Levy grocery store and I found a big old piece of meat. You didn't find the big well, old piece of meat. Here's what it is: you go to the meat counter and they have like a side of a cow with many, you know, bones sticking out. I'm guessing that's ribs. Anyway. So what they do is they cut off a piece of a steak for you right there. So I saw the steak, this big thing, and I'm like, that's steak, right? Because it looked like steak. And they're like, they're like, yes, it is, right? And I'm like, okay, I want a steak, please. Just one. And they're like, all right. So they go to the back and I hear, and they're basically using like a, 
oh, like a, a laser. electric saw oh. to like saw through this this big uh, bony piece of meat. Right. And they come back with, look, I grew up in Texas, okay? So they came back with what was a very modest, thin, like minute steak looking thing. And I was like, this was, now I don't buy steak a lot, now mostly the, the folks, because it's really these expensive. Folks, these folks are Arabs. Right. The, the people in the back are Arabs. They know all the hechsher. You can ask them, what's the hechsher of this? With the kosher certification. What's the kosher certification of that? What's the kosher certification of that? And they know everything. So, okay. So, so it was a good hechsher because I was looking, there was another steak that I was thinking about buying, but it wasn't a hechsher that I wanted. So I, this one had a good one. So I was like, okay. And they came back with this cute little, sweet little, friendly, innocuous little steak. So then I'm like, okay, I'll buy that because you cut it, but now go back there and give me double the size of the what you just, the thickness. the thickness of what you just gave me. Right. And he looks at me kind of like, I'm like, it's my husband's birthday, okay? And he like, he made a big smile. Way. Not exactly like that, but I'm like, it's my husband's birthday and I'm not going to go cheap on him. And he like laughed kind of. And then he went in the back and he brought me back like the good steak, basically. Maybe we should put that up. I wonder if you'll put that up as your picture on your show this week. Probably you won't. But it's a good picture. I took a good picture of you eating your giant steak. Like a... Like a Texas style, you know what I'm saying? Like you would go to a meat restaurant in Texas and there you'd be like, give me a steak. And that's what they would give you. That's right. They wouldn't give you one of these like modest little, right. like I'm on a diet type of steaks. What is this, a Yankee restaurant? And they would give it to you with a baked potato on the side and some, some kind of salad. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I made you a steak. Now I find, now I'm happy to take advice from everybody here, but- I find that the best way to make a steak is you salt it like crazy on both sides and a little garlic powder, a little pepper. Then you let that sit there for five minutes, ten minutes. Then you sear that bad boy on whatever you got. I used a frying pan because I don't even have a grill. And it was delicious. I like it on a frying pan. It's good. I like it. It was delicious. It was delicious. It was a great piece of meat. Thanks for giving us each a bite of your... That is that is so <laughs> not true. God, that's that's so embarrassing. That one bite was really good. No, you gave me two bites. You Thanks. were you were plenty happy to. I was watch happy. Me. That's the truth. I wanted you to enjoy it all for yourself. There you go. There you go. And so we would have all taken it down in five seconds if you'd let us. It was quite good. It was, and there's the, the minute steak for you. Don't forget that there was also afternoon sushi. There was afternoon sushi, uh, but you can make that minute steak uh, for the Shabbos or something. Yeah, maybe I will. Yeah. I put it in the freezer. It was really a lot of fun, Malka. Uh, and thank you very much for celebrating with me, and thank you for the people who wrote for me, wrote to me uh, from last week. And I, I wish you all a lot of blessings. I called everybody in my family, wished them blessings, and I uh, wish all of you a lot of blessings out there uh, to keep. Uh, Wait, Ishai, you, I heard, I heard in the last part that you, that you talked about your comedy show. I, I mentioned that I did a stand-up routine. I wonder if, off the top of your head, you could think of one joke from your comedy show that you can tell now in our segment. Well, my my friends uh, Zev, who I bumped into yesterday. Uh, Zevanani that I bumped into at the uh, embassy thing didn't make the party, so he asked me for a joke. Oh so, yeah, so, so I told what him a joke. Him? I told him the real c- crowd pleaser. Okay, this was the time that I that I you guys maybe you don't know, but I don't really like my last name. I'm not so into my last name Fleischer. I just don't like it. I don't think it's so. It's such a. I just it just means it means butcher. I, just not me exactly. Although I found alternative meanings for it, but in any case, I wanted to Hebrewize my name. But I was in the uh, in the army, and I met a guy in Ethiopian, and his name was Awaka. I'm like Awaka. 
His name was like Shlomo Awaka. Wow. And I'm like, I love that name, Awaka. I want to be Ishai Awaka. I'm like a man standing on the top of a mountain with a spear. I'm, I'm pointing that spear in the air and I'm saying, Awaka. And I said, that's Chazaka. That's strong, okay? <laughs> and, and I was really excited to come home from the army and tell you that we're going to change our last name to Awaka. So I came home and I told you, Maka, we're going to change it to Awaka. And you're like, no, it can't work. And I'm like, why? And you're like, because then I would be Makawaka. <laughs> okay, so you don't want to be Makawaka. Uh, so that was one of my little jokes there. And there were many other jokes. I tried to make fun of all ethnicities, groups, and people with sensitivities equally. Yes. I'm an equal. It was very, it was very enjoyable for me because it was very Israel and Jewish based. Maybe one day, like when you're totally, um, when you're so, like your name is so great that you're like, not able to be brought down by any kind of off-color jokes that one day you'll do like an actual comedy show (coughs) and we'll record it and then it'll go up on Netflix in our region. Or conversely, I could just clean up my act a little bit and then everything will be fine. (laughs) Uh, The truth of the matter is, Malcolm, 95% of my jokes were totally totally fine. And they really are about Israel and about about Jewish, Jewish people and Arab people and Haredi people. In marriage, I had a lot of jokes about marriage, right? And about Hungarians. Uh, so we had we had a lot of jokes. It was actually six pages of notes that I had, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Awaka, uh, he is a great Ethiopian soldier, uh, a part of my unit. Yes, uh, well, the Ethiopians having... are having we're having some some question marks here about. Um, I don't even know how to how to talk about this in, a, in an appropriate way because basically what's there's going on? There's an accusation of racism. Right. In our there's uh, there's there accusations. Was a, there was a young right. man okay. who was shot. By a police officer, an off-duty police officer. I was off-duty. I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. He was with the uh, the policeman was with his family, like at a park, and some kind of street fight broke out. The policeman claims that he felt himself and his family to be at risk, um, and he shot uh, this young man, nineteen-year-old Solomon Tekka, and he died. Solomon Tekka died. Now the there's different stories. The officer says that maybe. He actually shot at the ground, but that the bullet ricocheted and hit Tekka. I don't know. And basically, this police officer was put under arrest for a suspicion of murder. And he was released to house arrest. But he's like definitely under investigation for this whole incident. Witnesses at the site say that the officer wasn't really in danger, that he could have distanced himself. He didn't have to shoot. And this is actually not the first story like this that's another one of the issues the ethiopian community is really outraged i mean obviously they're not happy that a young man was taken from from this world but also because this is something that's happened now a couple of times Um, and so the ethiopian community is really um furious that they feel that they are being discriminated against because of their color um, and they they have basically organized in a massive way for these uh, like huge number of protests throughout the country. There were protests yesterday. I w- I, we live here in Efrat, and there's lots of WhatsApp groups. So in one particular in, um, large English-speaking neighborhood of Efrat, there's, an, there's a women's um, WhatsApp group, and one woman put up there that her father-in-law tried to leave Netanya at 7.30 for a midnight flight, and was still on the road at midnight, a.k.a. did not make the flight. Also, I went with Leah Batzion to the old city of Jerusalem yesterday for we're taking these uh, bat mitzvah preparation classes together. It was our last one. 
and they were like be on time this time but like 65 percent of the class was not there on time because everyone was like walking in from different places because the uh because the roads had been stopped up and more protests are planned for today into like all the major cities Beersheva, Petach Tikva, Rishon Letzion, I think Tel Aviv has a, t- a protest plan. I don't have my list in front of me, but there's all these these different protests that are being planned for like this evening into the nighttime. Um, and there have been like, so here's the thing, right? Like my snap reaction to the to this whole thing, and I'm like, I'm really, I'm definitely a Semite, right? But I'm like a white one. Like I burn in the sun and I have never faced discrimination because of some kind of brownish tint or other colored tint to my skin, right? I guess you could call me like whitish, right? So my, my sympathies go to this community, right? I, I, it's common knowledge that the Ethiopian community has not integrated in the most smooth way into Israel. And I know that there are people who feel that they're discriminated against because of their color. And now, especially with the Eritreans have come into Israel illegally who are not Jewish at all. So then not everyone can necessarily tell on first glance who's an Eritrean, who's an Ethiopian. And then so the Ethiopians feel also that they've been like mushed in with this other group of people and they consider themselves to be definitely Jewish. And so they're, it's like offensive to them and they don't want to be associated with this other group. Um, so my, my sympathies ha- like initially went out to them and I thought to myself, okay, you know, protesting in the street, that's like good, democratic, very annoying, right, for everyone else. But like, oh, fair game, fair action for this kind of a thing. However, the protests have taken like a distinctly violent turn, which Malka Fleischer is one lady sitting and reading the news in her couch in Judea. Uh, feels kind of disappointed by this because it seems that instead of taking the opportunity to show uh, the justice and nobility of the cause of the Ethiopian community, it's turned into a little bit of what the police are kind of saying is exactly what they're facing, which is violence and rioting and rock throwing and disorderly conduct and not things that are going along with the law of Israel, right? I have here a picture that was taken last night in Tel Aviv Someone's car got set on fire, like really on fire. And it's definitely totolos, right? It's like a gone, it's gone. Um, something like 111 officers have been injured, police officers. Right. So there's a lot of injured police officers. 136 people have been arrested. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. That's a whole lot. And it's going on again today. And so, you know, I don't know what's the right thing to say. Because on the one hand, I don't want to be insensitive to the plight of the Ethiopians. And I myself wish that Ethiopians would feel like 100% part of Israeli society. If they're Jewish people, then they deserve to feel part of Israeli society 100%. You know, yesterday, Maka, I was in Hebron with with Mark Levin uh, and with Richard Camp. And we bumped into an Ethiopian soldier. His, His first name was Matiku. Mm-hmm. I was like, what does Matiku mean? He's like from the word matok. Oh, that's nice. I was like Matiku. That's, that's sweet. Nice. Yeah. Literally. He was a real Matiku. And I just said to him, like, hey, man, you know, it's going to be okay. And he's like, yeah, it's going to be okay. Wow. You know? That's nice. And it was just like that. And uh, I was like, are you Ethiopian? Because he was a, he was, he was, he was not, ex- he was Ethiopian, but not as dark. You know, he could have been like a, a Yemeni. Exactly or what I'm talking about. It's like, you can't always, you don't always, yeah. If but you I, have an untrained eye, you don't always know. I thought he was, but he looked a little bit, could have been like a Yemenite, you know, it could have uh, been a bit of a Yemenite a little bit or some kind of, you know, 
In any case, uh, that that's what happened. Uh, I saw a tweet by Knesset member and now Minister of Transportation, Smutrich, and he writes that Betzalel Smutrich, and he wrote, I was stuck in traffic, and I really, really, at first I really felt uh, that I identify with, with why there's traffic, because there's a lot of road closures because of mm-hmm. these protests. And then he wrote the next morning, he's like, I take my last tweet back. Oy. He's like, if there's going to be violence then it's going to be um then then so, it's then, then it's I'm so not unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. I <laughs> but, wish it wasn't going say, this way. I want to say one more thing about that. Cultures are different. You know? Cultures are different. Maybe in that culture, and I don't know, uh when you really feel that like you're not being listened to, you kind of go nuts. And I'll explain to you what I mean. I I I actually years ago was uh running for the Knesset in an Ethiopian party. Right? Okay? I was not Ethiopian, but I was a part of an Aliyah party, which had mostly Ethiopians. And I went to one rally, an Ethiopian rally, and I realized that they do things very differently. For example, when the leader got up to speak, he would make a speech, a fiery speech, and then go something like, da-da-da, and everybody would be like, da-da-da. And they would raise their hands in the air and they'd go, da-da-da. And he'd be like, and you have to do, I, I did not, I don't speak Amharic. And he's like, and you have to do one, two, three. And they're like, one, two, three. Hmm. And all of them without, without missing a, like, a, like a beat. So this is very different. This is a culture that has in it cultural norms. Right. All, all I'm saying is. I understand. Is, At the same time, you know, if we're talking about, right. yeah, A, and B, like if we're talking about integration. Now, I'm not talking about uh, having to become exactly like everybody else, but I'm saying like there's laws, right? There's basic laws where you're not allowed to like throw stuff at people. So you can't, you know what I mean? 100%, 100%. Um, all I meant to say is in, tor- in, in terms of But then again, you're not allowed to shoot people randomly right. in the street either. Right. And uh, and that's where they're coming from. And we got to be very careful not to tie into like the American black culture or other things or the, the tension between white American police and black uh, American inner city. Like we got to make sure not to go in that direction at all. I think that's, though, a little bit what organizers are trying to do. Right. We got we to stay away from that because that is so divisive. We want to stay away from that and make sure that doesn't that doesn't happen here. And all I can say to you is that the guy Matiku that I saw yesterday was a paratrooper mm-hmm. in the in the paratrooper brigade, which is considered a kind of like Ashkenazi strong stronghold, mm-hmm. and it's just not anymore. It's just really not. And I I see a lot of integration, and I always worry that there are forces that love to see battles between Jews jump on these things and accentuate racial ethnic tensions uh, where where they don't exist. And it's funny because we just like had a week where we kind of became more normalized in the Arab world vis-a-vis the Bahrain conference, it's funny that we're having like an ethnic conflict within. Uh, and I think there are people that benefit from that. In any case, we definitely have to pray for the peace of Israel, the peace yes. of Jerusalem also internally. And Bizarat Hashem will see a, a more uh, amalgamated, uh, unified, uh, and matriculated society that, that really works well together. Uh, and our beautiful brothers and sisters from Ethiopia will feel part of this country, but at the same time also be beholden to its laws and rules. Yes, amen. Maka Fleischer, I want to thank you so much for joining me here. Yes. I just want to also let you know, um, this is a hard gear shift, but I want you to all I want all our listeners to know that in our family, we have a tradition, which is that however old you are, that's how many days of birthday you have this year. So Yishai, I want you to not fear because there is ice cream in the freezer, I got three flavors, strawberry, vanilla, and Oreo. 
and I have nacho chips and I'm going to make you an evening of Yiddish nachos and ice cream sundae. I don't think people know what Yiddish nachos is. I don't think they know what that means. It's it's a term that we came up with in this house, which is, you know, Yiddish nachos, which which is a Yiddish way of saying uh, Jewish, Jewish Jewish happiness. Mm, yeah. Satisfaction. Yeah. Kind of, like, like when you get nachos from enjoyment. the children. Right. Yeah. So Yiddish nachos. So we came up with this term called Yiddish nachos. Yes. And that means that you Play get on the, words. Yeah, we get you get a little delicious Jewish Nacho, nachos. Jewish nachos. And and my my beloved Maka is a is a is from Texas. Yes. And that's close to being a Tex Mexican, a Texican, a Tex Mexican. Tex Mex. That's all I'm talking about. A type of food which is Texas Mexico. It happens to be a food that I love. Yes. Okay. So don't fear. Nothing like spicy. We had the basari birthday. We'll have the chalavi birthday. Bezrat Hashem. May we all have a basari and chalavi birthdays. Okay. May we all. uh, And and and, oh, P.S. Here's a little thing, and I want you to hashtag this to me. The hashtag is, I know my Hebrew birthday. Ooh. I know my Hebrew birthday. No, no, no. And you don't have to know it when you hear this. You have to check it. On Chabad.org or or other, there's web websites that, that they'll tell you your Hebrew birthday. You literally you in, Google, what's my Hebrew birthday? What's my Hebrew birthday? Okay. And if you don't know your Hebrew birthday, you're going to find out. And I don't care if you're a Gentile. You still have a Hebrew birthday. That's right. I want you to know when your Hebrew birthday, what is your birthday on the Hebrew calendar? So I so the end of the show is, and I'll know you listen to the show, when you hashtag for me, I know my Hebrew birthday. I know my Hebrew birthday. Uh, folks, uh, just a few uh, um Few uh, housework, few. Uh, what do they say? A few homework, housework, few uh, like, like house issues, house, house well, affairs. Now you've confused me. All right, whatever it is, there's a few. There's a few affairs that I want you to be uh, aware of. House uh, order, order house housework. I don't know homework. Anyway, uh, I want you to housekeeping. Know, housekeeping issues. A few housekeeping yes. issues, and, and that is the following. First thing, I have uh, received an incredible set uh, of books. I didn't receive it. I actually bought a, a, a whole a whole lot. I have a lot of these beautiful books uh, about Judea and Samaria with pictures. And Coffee biblical. table book. Coffee table book. Beautiful book. And I'm going to be uh, sending it out to people who donate and are part of the Ishai Fleischer show. Okay. It's actually, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it like cheaper. Okay. If you send a hundred dollars, you're going to get in a, a book. Uh, to um, you know what? No, hundred twenty dollars. That's what we're gonna do. Okay, <laughs> like twelve tribes, twelve ah, nice. twelve months okay. of the year. If you've been listening to for the last twelve months, uh, and and you have it in your heart to to help out and to be not to help what? Not to help me. To help broadcast Torah to the world and help broadcast Judea and, and the spirit of Judea. Then uh, please go to yishaifleisher.com and you will get a beautiful and donate and get a beautiful new book. I'm telling you, it's awesome, and you will love it. It will sit in your coffee table. And you'll leaf through it. It's got both pictures of the land of Israel and Judea and Samaria and verses that go along with it. It's a marvelous book. I'm very excited for you. So so if you help out, you also get this book. It's something very special. Also, uh, I asked last week if anybody wanted to uh, dedicate a show. Already got a show dedication for my good friend Ooh. Dan. I'm very excited for that. It's not for this week. Okay. Uh, it's for a few weeks down the line, but I'm very excited about that. So that's great. And, and you can also dedicate a show to a loved one. It's a fun way to, to, to connect. Uh, check out our flag project. We still have uh, some great flags from the land of Israel. We have another one going out. Also, Malka, I we sent you- We have another you... one going out in a couple days. We do? Mm-hmm. Who too? 
You 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 don't want to say? I'm uh, not going to say. Okay, okay, fine. But we have some. We have another one going out. By the way, I sent you an email. Somebody we didn't send one of that books. One of those. Uh, I sent you the the. Um, okay. The rain. The key of I'll rain. I'll take book. care of it. Yeah. So one more person needs needs to get that book. Uh, so we have a lot of stuff going on here, and then we also have our sponsors, which are the folks at Chelit who make uh, Chelit happen. Uh, they are the folks that keep us in true blue Jewness. Yes. So you can just go to T E K H E L E T and get your blue string. Okay? So you don't have to, you don't have to have the blues you don't have to blue the blue string blues anymore. <laughs> and also our good friends at Hebron. Hebron.com is our website for information and hebronfund.org is for incredible tours and donation opportunities. So check that out. It's really awesome. Uh, and that's that's about it. If you if you have any advice for Malka about making steaks, or other things. I'm I, always I, happy for a good recipe for anything. Right. Recipes. You know what I would like? I would like a good carrot cake recipe. I made carrot cake for Shavuot, but I wasn't so happy with it. It was good. It was good. All right. I don't know what you're talking about. But it wasn't fluffy enough. Okay. So, so hashtag fluffy carrot cake uh, is, <laughs> is fine. I'm not calling the show fluffy carrot cake. Okay. That is weirdly coincidentally my high school nickname, but <laughs> fluffy carrot cake. I never liked that name for me. <laughs> Especially, I don't even have red hair. Anyway, uh, but you can uh, do, do that hashtag or hashtag, I know my, my Hebrew, Hebrew birthday. birthday. All right, folks. Thank you so much for being with us. Lots of love to you from the land of Israel and blessings to you from the land of blessings. Yes. And that's, that's really my tagline. Nice. Right? The, the way I like that. That's right. Blessings from the land of blessings. Blessings from the land of blessings. I like that nice. very, I like that very much. Oh, great. I like that very, very much. Happy for you. And I like you very much wherever you are. And I like you, Malcolm Fleischer. Yes, and I like I'm glad you. that you're here. Well, thanks. And I like the God of Israel and the Torah of Israel that he has given us. I like summer. And I like summer, except during the day. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Lots of love from the land of Israel. Shalom. Shalom. God bless you wherever you are. God bless you. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. We'll be back next week. Shalom. I have seen everything in the days of my vanity, says the wise of all kings. There's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who lives long in his evil. Be not overly righteous, warned Solomon, and be not overly wise. Why should you bring desolation upon yourself? Well, I'm not worried that I'm overly righteous, and I certainly don't think I'm overly wise, but I am Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.